So here, Ephesians 2. I'm looking for a verse real quick for us to talk about the prelim here. Yeah. So Ephesians 2, 8, I think is what it was. Ephesians 2, 8. Yes. So, Dad, you know, we were talking about asking the Lord for his faith. Yes. For giving us, for giving us his faith for, for every matter. Right. Right. Because because our faith is not enough. Our faith is not enough for these big things. And, and he goes, oh, ye of little faith. You know, I, I think that we have to open ourselves up to receive his faith. We have to be a vessel to receive his faith. So I found a verse. I found a verse that will get our juices going, I think, on this. Okay. Ephesians 2.8 says, for grace you're saved through faith. Right. Not of yourself. And that, and that, that faith, is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. All right. So that faith, that faith which which saves us through grace, is a gift of God. That God gives us that faith. So so if God gives us that faith. Why why wouldn't we ask him for the faith for everything that we need? Yes. Right? Does yes. that make sense to you? Yes, it does. I I think I think that when we when we feel like our faith is not strong enough to get us to the place where we need to be, even though we know we're standing on his promises, we're standing on promises, um, and, and we believe. And we believe that we believe that we believe. I'm but right. if we don't have enough faith to add to that recipe, we should we should ask the Lord for it. That's right. I I was just thinking about Peter when he when Jesus was walking on the water. Well, Lord, if it's you, well, he had just said it was him. Yes. If it's you, command that I. Uh, come to you on the water. Yep. And he did. Yes. Until he looked at the waves. They were there already, but he hadn't looked at them. He doubted. And he asked, that's right. And he began now, to think. I actually, I was thinking of the same verse. I was thinking of the same verse when we, when I was, when I was sorting this out in my spirit. And, and in those same verses, here's the part where Peter asked Jesus for his faith. He said, Lord, command that I walk out to you. Right. See, if the word of God, we just talked about this last night. If the word of God says something, the word of God says it. I don't think we can resist. I, I, I think we are, we have everything in us is compelled to obey when the master's voice is heard. Yes. So, so what Peter was asking is, Lord, give me, give me your faith. Strengthen yeah. me. Strengthen that's, that's... me by saying, strengthen me by commanding me to come out there. And when the master commanded him, that gave him the strength he needed to step out of the boat and walk on the water. Right. Then he got his eyes off of Christ. Exactly. Then he got his, then he got his attention off of Jesus. Right. But, but when he was hooked up with the master, 
when he was hooked up with a masker, he could walk on the water. That's right. And, uh, okay, so, all right. Well, we are in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I see Olive just texted me. She can't get in. We're maxed out. Yeah. Yeah, we're maxed out participants tonight. And, uh, okay, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. Let's say our prayers. Father, thank you for this opportunity for our family to come together and worship you. To come together and take in your word. To glorify you and magnify you. To further your kingdom by the edification of the body of Christ. Help us to help us to exhort one another. Lord God and Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Please come amongst us, come upon us, teach us, lead us, fill us. Lord God, feed your sheep. Help us and help us to do what's right. Make our path straight before us. Be a lamp unto our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So, uh, I'm going to back up a couple of verses so that we can be in context here. I'm going to start reading in verse 13 so that we can be in context when we get to verse 15. Right. We, uh, we were supposed to do verse 15 last night, but we had a, a different, the Holy Spirit had different plans for us last night. We went a whole nother direction. <laughs> so, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, how will it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the feet of men. If you've ever seen a driveway that has a whole bunch of that quartz stone in it, you know, uh, gravel that has a whole bunch of quartz stone in it, I imagine, I imagine that that salt without the taste of salt is basically like quartz rocks. That's all it is. And it'd be like taking one of those things and putting it in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But when they light a candle, they put it on a candlestick. They hold it up high so that the light can shine. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Notice he doesn't say that they'll hear your good words. He said they're going to see your good works. They're going to know you by your works. They're going to know that you're a Christian by the way that you act, by the things that you do, not by the things that you say. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. 
For verily I say unto you, shall heaven and earth pass, not one jot, not one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. So anybody that tries to tell you, again, I'm, I'm just going to repeat to everybody tonight, anybody that tries to tell you, oh, that's Old Testament. We're New Testament. Read that verse for yourself and ask yourself, what is the word of God trying to tell me there? What is the word of God trying to tell me? Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. There you go. Right, so right. if you break those commandments and you go and teach other people that they can break those commandments too, you'll find yourself the very least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you keep the commandments and you do as what, what, what Jesus has taught us, what the word of God has taught us to do, if you keep them and you teach it that way, if you're an example, then you'll be, then you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no way enter into the kingdom of heaven. And how will our righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees or the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees? How, how, how will our righteousness exceed their righteousness? Here's how it is, that we will obey his commandments. What is, what is it? We're not just saying it. We're not just telling other people to obey them. We live the life that obeys them. That's right. right. When nobody can see except God, when we're in the darkness of our own privacy, we still obey those laws. When we're all alone and nobody will ever know if we broke them, we still obey those laws. We do what's right. We stand up rightly. We're righteous. We're good. When we help someone, when we give it to them, we don't, we don't bother to tell them our name because our name isn't important. We tell them his name. That's right. right. We say this is from Jesus. It ain't from me. It's not from me. My name isn't important. I don't want them to remember me. I want them to remember the one who sent me. The one who lives in me. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, or you know what Raka means? It means worthless. It means worthless. Or I spit on you, or empty head, retarded. Those kind of words. You say that, say that to your brother or your sister. You're in danger of the judgment. Hear the Lord of God. Hear the word of the Lord God. 
and shake inside. When we hear that, when we hear that verse right there, every one of us should tremble inside because every single one of us is guilty of that. At some point in time, every single one of us has done that. If you say that you haven't done that, the odds are you're lying. You're lying to yourself. And the verse before that where it says, you have heard that it was said of old time that thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And I tell you, and I'm telling you, I want to remind everyone in my family that when you sit down and you enjoy a movie and you're putting yourself in your heart, you're putting yourself in that person's position and you want the justice and you want those people to die, you're killing them in your heart. And according to God's law, that's the same as doing the deed. When you sit down, you play a video game all day long, you have a gun and you're killing people left and right and killing people left and right. In your heart, you're killing them. And by God's word, it's the same as doing it. And what do you do? You make the love that's in your heart, the, the, the potential for love that's in your heart, it will grow cold. It will grow cold. You will numb your heart. You will desensitize your soul until it's an everyday thing to, to see another person lose their life. Verse 23. Therefore, if you bring any gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So if you have something to give to God, something you have to tithe to God, something you want to get with God, and you have a problem with your brother or sister in Christ, this is not just your brother or your sister in your family at home in your immediate family. This is your brother or sister in Christ. Your brother and sister in Christ could be your mother, could be your father, could be your uncle, your cousins, could be your neighbor, could be somebody you go to school with. Right. This is, uh... could be somebody you work with. It, it could be anybody. This is very important. Uh, yes. I think people and, and have no clue to what damage you do to another person. If you offend them, even if you don't know it, God says, in other words, I'm saying that you don't know why they're offended about it. It doesn't matter if they're offended, you should go to them and ask forgiveness. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you agree that, with that's it or it, not. Yes. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you think that they should be offended or not. Nope. The fact of the matter is that it did that's offend right. them. And you and for that, 
You were created in the image of God. And for that, as you stand before the throne, you apologize to them. Don't apologize to them. You don't need to apologize for for the for the uh, minutia of the details. Right. They're splitting the hairs. You need to apologize because they're offended because you hurt them. I have. And you I need to make a correction. Well, back in mid seventies or eighties, one of my girls started to change, start to change her, and I totally better than we got. I went girl to die. Well, we did work in the mind. But it had a fresh phone. And so in the meantime, beauty shopper where she goes talking to me. But when she did get back, he finally got the money to her. And when she came back to the store, I apologized to her. She said, you're a better man than I thought you were. In other words, they could hear those tributes. And then there's another because of the offense. Yes. So the the lesson the lesson for all of us to learn in this is that whether or not you agree that they have a right to be offended has no bearing on this whatsoever. It, 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 it is not up to you to decide if someone else has a right to be offended or not. To their own master do they stand or fall. Right. Who are we to judge another man's servant? Who are we to judge someone else's servant? And that's the servant of God. Who are we to judge them? To his own master does he stand or fall? And I tell you, he will stand because his master is well able to make him stand. Amen. So, verse 25, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and you be cast in prison. In other words, if you have a problem with somebody, a dispute with somebody, and there's an opportunity to settle it, settle it. Settle it. Don't be a stubborn mule. Don't hold out for your own righteousness or, or your own self-righteousness is what I mean. Don't hold out thinking, well, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for me. That's not good enough for me. No, they need to pay for that. Whether they pay or not is in God's hands, not yours. God will deal with that. God will settle the matter. God has scales in his hands, and he doesn't miss a thing. He's got a tally book, and he keeps a record. And nothing gets by him. Nothing.
Verse 26, Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out of thence, or, or you would certainly not get out from there, or that judge, that place where we were talking about earlier, the jail, the judge, the, the courtroom, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing, until you've paid all your debt. In other words, better to put the judgment in God's hands than to put the judgment in the hands of man through your stubbornness. Because if you put the judgment in the hands of man through your stubbornness, you may end up meeting yourself out some serious consequences. You have heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. That goes both ways. Obviously. If you look after someone and lust after them in your heart, you have already committed adultery with them. You've already committed extramarital or out of marriage, out of wedlock, an affair with them. You've done the deed. You've done the deed. For all you... Uh, folks who have a little private problem looking at things on the internet that you shouldn't be looking at. That's where this comes in. In fact, Jesus says that every woman that you lay with, or, or in the case of the women that are on tonight, every man that you lay with, you're married to them. You are a joint heir in Christ and your soul is knitted to them. Your soul is knitted to them. Think about that. Think about that. Every man that, that looks at things that he shouldn't be looking at, every one of those pictures, every one of those different women that he's looking at and lusting after like that, he is tying his soul yep. to them until he finds himself empty inside with an inability to fill the emptiness. He's hungry, he's miserable, he's driven because he cannot find peace in his soul. And he can't find peace in his soul because his soul is knitted to all of those dozens or hundreds of women that he has had relations with. You must repent. You have to ask God to undo those soul ties, to break them off. Mental and physical. Mental and physical, amen. But he has to restore your soul. And most importantly, you correct your ways and don't do it anymore. Verse 29. And if your right eye offends you, pluck it out cast it from you for it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish not that the whole body should be cast into hell and if thy right hand offend thee cut it off and cast it from thee for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell if there's a piece of you a part of you that is causing you to sin, cut it off from you. 
if that part of you, if that part of you is social media, cut the social media off. If that part of you is a lust of the flesh, then you cut off the source of that lust of the flesh. If you have a tendency to use your eyes to look at things you shouldn't be looking at, you need to cut off your ability to see those things anymore. And if it gets serious enough, you need to seriously consider the permanent solution. (laughs) It sounds crazy for somebody in this day and age to say that. That better we do something like that than we find ourselves burning in hell for our inability to get control of ourselves. For our inability to gain mastery over our flesh. It has been said, verse 31, it has been said, whoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. In other words, let let him give her a letter of divorce. But I say to you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. So there we go. There we go. That's a hard truth right there. That's a hard truth right there. Anyone who puts away their spouse for any other reason than that they were unfaithful carnally causes their spouse to commit adultery. That letter of divorce, that's the only letter that the Bible talks about. There is no letter of marriage. There is no marriage certificate in the Bible. The second that you had knowledge of each other, you're married. That's the covenant that God created. He created that covenant and the method to sign it when he designed your body. See, Uncle Sky. Yeah, that's always this might sound weird, but that's always rubbed me wrong. I mean, maybe it's because we, you know, we've grown up in a society where you're married by this paper. I believe that we I mean, we're married before God and everything. I believe what you just said, but it still doesn't sit with me. Right. It makes I don't I don't understand that. You got to understand the covenant that God created when he created marriage. When he designed a woman's body and the man's body, he created a covenant. He made a covenant. He made them one flesh. So would that mean for someone to be married, they would not have to have a marriage certificate? Or would they have to to kind of obey the law of the land? You You obey the law of the land, but in God's eyes... In God's eyes, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And Caesar wants a marriage certificate, give it unto Caesar. And give unto God what is God's. And God created your body and says that you're married the second you have knowledge of each other, and therefore you're married. Okay, I understand that. You know, and and does it rub... 
people the wrong way? Of course. Of course it does. Uh, and I'll tell you exactly why. Because your flesh, your body, is the, is the enemy of God. Everything that it thinks and everything it wants and everything that seems right to it is the enemy of God. It is against God and everything that is godly, and it always will be. That will never change. Till we go home. Till we go home. Till we shed ourselves of these bodies. Nevertheless, that's what faith is all about, that God's word is God's word, and that God's word, God's word outweighs what my body wants and what my mind thinks and what my heart exactly. feels. All of us, we like to say, uh, we like to say, well, I feel, I feel that, that God, if God is a loving God, he wouldn't do this or he wouldn't do that if he's a loving God. This is from that Francis Chan sermon that I've been listening to. But, but at the risk of doing a re-preach, I'm going to tell you, God's ways are higher than our ways. Yep. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We are not capable of thinking on the level in, 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 the, in the capacity that God thinks and what his plans are and how his design is. And why did he create rules? Because of the complications that are created in the cosmos, in the spiritual and the natural realms around us when we violate these things. We don't know. We don't understand. And it's not our job to know or understand. It's our job to obey. He's our Heavenly Father. And not just that, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is literally the Word of God. And we cannot say, Master, Master, if we won't obey Him. He is the Word of God. So when we say, you're my Lord, then He's our Lord. And the Word of God is our Lord. <coughs> and at that point, we don't have a choice anymore whether we like it or not. It's the same as, as if a knight showed up in a kingdom a couple of years ago or his fealty to the king. And then the king called the knight in and he gave the knight an order and said, I want you to go to such and such a place and I want you to do such and such a thing. At that point, it isn't the knight's option to decide whether it's right or wrong or how he feels about what the king has to say. He swore his fealty. He gave his life. He obeys the orders which are given him. And if even a man in this carnal world can understand that, then we spiritual beings who have sworn our fealty to a God who is spirit, we must understand these things on a spiritual level. We have to come to terms with these things. It's an excellent question that she asks. It's an excellent way that she poses it because, look, every one of us has gone through those same conflicts. If we say that we haven't had those conflicts, we're lying to ourselves. There are pieces and parts of God's word that we like to push to the side. We might not course we're not going to say oh i disagree 
Not many people have the guts to say that out loud, but instead we just water it down. We push it to the side or we throw a cover over it. We put it in the corner and put a, put a drape over the top of it. And then the parts of the Word of God we like, we roll those out and set them around on the table and on the furniture and on the bookshelves. But the parts we don't like, we shove them in the closet. And we close the door. To accept God's Word is to accept God's Word. You will never walk in miracles and you'll never walk in power in the supernatural until you come to a place in your heart where you say, Whatever God says, that's what it is. That's right. Whatever God's word says, that's the way it's going to be. Whether it's something I like or whether it's something I don't like, whether it's a promise I can stand on or whether it's the consequence for my failure. Because for every promise that God gives us that's a good promise that we like to stand on, there's a promise of his wrath if we don't obey. That's right. Verse 34. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oath. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, nor, nor for it is by God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy own head, because thou cannot make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than this comes of evil. In other words, you don't need to swear. You don't need to add anything to your word other than yes or no. And that doesn't mean that people can only answer yes or no. What it means is, what it means is, don't try to reinforce your own words with a promise against something else. Yeah, we can't. We don't have to do it. Exactly. Verse 38, you have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, ye, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn him to the other one also. And if any man sue you at law and take away your coat, let him have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Here's what Jesus commanded you. Here's what our Lord commanded us. Whoever hurts you, give them the opportunity to hurt you again. Whoever compels you to do something, do it for them twice. Whoever takes something from you, give them something else to go with it. Give to him that asks you. And from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. 
bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which do spitefully use you and persecute you. <clears throat> that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So ask yourself, search your heart right now. When's the last time you prayed for your enemies? When's the last time you blessed them? When's the last time you asked the Lord to bless the people who spitefully use you? Or did we crawl into ourselves and listen to our body again and feel sorry for ourselves? Cry about it. Grieve about it. Talk to everybody on, online and social media about it. That's the way we like to deal with problems. But that's not God's way. God's way says, go and bless them. Pray for them. Pray and ask the Lord to bless them. To give them everything. You know, people spitefully use us and we don't want them to be blessed, man. That's right. There's a piece of us that wants to withhold God's blessings from them. We don't want them to have anything. That's evil and it's wickedness. That's our flesh that is at enmity with God. And that is the way of the world and the way of our hearts. Verse 44, or verse 45, that ye may be the children of, the fa of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his sun arise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the publicans do the same? Don't even evil people do the same? So if you only bless those people who bless you, don't even unbelievers do that? If we only love the people who love on us, even unbelievers do that. If we only wish the best for the people who wish the best for us, then we're no better than an unbeliever. There's no credit to us for that. And if you salute your brethren only, what are you doing more than any other unbeliever? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in, he which is in heaven is perfect. What he's saying is, what, what he's saying right there in being perfect is, be holy. Be holy. Like your Father which is in heaven is holy. Dad, the floor is yours. Lot. I ran over time a little bit tonight. Uh, thank you for loving. We thank you for your word, Father. And Lord, most of us have a experience for the thing to talk tonight. 
Lord, if you haven't experienced, we will. So I ask, Lord, your courage to back even more in our hearts. And draw us, Lord, closer to you. And Lord, we walk with you today. We pray that we will pay attention to your word and dwell on the Father. I ask you bless you, Father, family. I pray for Mel, Catherine, and Cecilia. I ask that you bless God. I live to all of you, Lord, when they make it all night. I pray for that you would guide us home, strength, strength, guide, and bring bring peace in your home, full, and then at home. I lift J.J. Raid, your father, as a blessing to the young man. As a hard break to the light, tanning, that God can move in heart and draw himself. Pray, pray for her and these. Ask, ask that you walk with them, them, that, that you bless them highly. And I live to you, John. John pray, pray, bless and guide your heart. Lord, Lord, I lift my wife and I pray, pray for strength. I pray, pray for a cheerful shine for her heart. And Lord, Lord I, I believe. Father, holy of this disease that's come up to me, give me the Father of Jesus Christ, that Lord, a man to lead. Guide the heart and teach your way. And Lord, me as I come in your home. Father, I pray for Jemaica and be upon. Give him wisdom beyond the man in the discipline and father. And we ask Lord to pray. And help us, Lord, to partake of your work. I have more than hearts with you. And I am so proud that he's our president. Lord, just a the Lord man the man. And we just pray the Lord for your God. In Jesus' precious and we ask things tonight. Amen. Amen. All the best. Amen, family. Good night. night. Love you, family. Good night. Love you. Love you. Thank you.